Good morning, everybody. Welcome. It's Thursday morning, and we are live here from Christ Life Ministries. Okay, so uh, let me just see if I can open this thing. It seems to have opened. Okay, good morning, everybody. So um, just after this live session, Danae and I are going to see a domine about a building. So if you could keep us in your prayers. Um, let's see if the building will suit us. Let's see if we like it. Let's see if we can have revival there. <laughs> so it's, yeah, and they are eager to sell this time. So it's a totally different kind of building. But let's just go check it out. Okay, so we'd like you to, to just stand in agreement with us. All right. So uh, let's just start. I'm going to start in Luke chapter 15. And this is such a well-known portion of Scripture, where I think every now and then it's good to just read it and just see what connects with it. So, the parable of the lost son, or I'd like to call it the parable of the good father. So it says here in um, Luke 15, verse 11, And he said there was a certain man who had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the part of the property that falls to me. And he divided the estate between them. All right, so this guy got his inheritance before his father died. So basically, he told to his father, he told his father he's dead to him, and he took his stuff and he went away. <laughs> okay, so uh, good morning, Eric. It's good to see you there. Okay, so he says, and not many days after that, the younger son gathered up all that he had. Now remember, the father divided the estate between them, so the older son also got what he. What came to him, okay? Not many days after that, the younger son gathered up all that he had and journeyed into a distant country, and there he wasted his fortune in reckless and loose from restrained living. And when he had spent all he had, hello, Liffy, when he had spent all he had, a mighty famine came upon that country, and he began to fall behind and be in want. So he went and forced or glued himself upon one of the citizens of that country, who sent him into the fields to feed hogs. And he would gladly have fed on and filled his belly with the carapods that the hogs were eating, but they could not satisfy his hunger, and nobody gave him anything better. Then when he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my father have enough food, and even food to spare, but I'm perishing and dying here of hunger. I will get up and go to my father, I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Just make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and came to his own father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was moved with pity and tenderness for him. And he ran and embraced him and kissed him fervently. So this is now the son that squandered his inheritance. He ran and he embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. I no longer deserve to be recognized as a son of yours. But the father said to the servants, to his bond servants, Bring quickly the best robe, the festive robe of honor, and put it on him. And give him a ring for his hand and sandals for his feet. And bring out that wheat fattened calf and kill it. And let us revel and feast and be happy and make merry, because this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. 
And they began to revel and feast and make merry. But his oldest son was in the field, and as he returned and came near to the house, he heard music and dancing. And having called one of the servant boys to him, he began to ask what this meant. And he said to him, Your brother has come, and your father has killed that wheat fat and calf. Quite a slimmed down version of the story. Because he has received him back safe and well. But the elder brother was angry with deep-seated wrath and resolved not to go in. Then his father came out and began to plead with him. But he answered his father, Look, these many years have I served you, and I have never disobeyed your command. Yet you never gave me so much as a little kid that I might revel and feast and be happy and make merry with my friends. But when this son of yours arrived... (laughs) So... He's not even acknowledging him as his brother, never mind loving his brother. This son of yours, when he arrived, who has devoured your estate with a moral woman, you have killed for him that wheat, fat, and calf. I wonder how he knew what the son did in the far country, but okay. And the father said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. But it is fitting to make merry, to revel and feast and rejoice. For this brother of yours was dead, and he's alive again. He's lost. He was lost, and he was found. Okay. So, Aistian, okay, so um, firstly, I want to say both the sons missed it, not only the one, because both had a servant mentality. Um, the one, though, humbled himself, and the one that humbled himself got restored, okay? And yes, he was the one that messed up probably the most. <laughs> so, the other one. Also missed it, you know. He didn't mess up as bad, but, you know, he's, in his head he was a servant, and he didn't understand that he was a son in the house. So his father said, all that I have is yours. Son, you're always with me, and all that is mine is yours. So take your own little kid and make merry with your friends. But if, your, your servants, if the servants are your friends, then what are you thinking? Who, who do you think? In your mind, who are you? Okay, so um, firstly, we need to see in this passage that um, both of them didn't really stand in the position that was theirs to stand in. They didn't really step into their inheritance, okay, because both of them had a problem with identity. All right, so, but what I want to focus on here today was. The son, the one who humbled himself, which is a good thing, and it, it's really good. But just, he came to himself and he thought, the servants in my father's house are greater than I am. The servants have, have enough to spare. Okay, so he humbled himself to the level beneath the servants. Okay? And he would gladly have started serving there. But his father ignored it, and he just saw the state of heart. Okay? Yes, he was hungry. And that's what I always say. He had a plan because he was hungry. <laughs> he wanted to, to say something to his dad to, to just let him back in so he can get some food. <laughs> okay? So, uh, but he didn't really expect he was surprised by the mercy. He was surprised by how good his father really was. Okay? So he would gladly associate with the servants and forfeit his position as a son 
for food. Okay? Instead of really understanding, coming back to his father, repenting and humbling himself, but with an expectation from the goodness of his father to be restored into his position as a son. Okay? But luckily the father is good. Okay? And he wanted to restore both his sons into the position as heirs, into position uh, of sonship. All right, so I just want to quickly go to um, Hebrews chapter 1 and 2 and uh, just connect with the whole thing of a servant and a son. So uh, you can also go to John chapter 8. Uh, the son abides in the house, but the servant does not abide in the house forever. Um, so if the son sets you free, you're free indeed. So the servant only comes in quickly, does something, goes out. Comes in, does something, goes out. But the son abides. The son drapes himself over the couch. The son raids the fridge. You know, the son sees what's on TV. The servant doesn't. Okay? The servant is in the house, but he's there for a time, and then he leaves. Um, so there's a different function, even though they share a, a space. But there's the, the, the servant is there to serve, to work, and the son is there to rest. His home is his resting place. His home is his place of abiding. His, his home is not his place of work. Okay? All right. So I just want to... Uh, let's start in verse 10 and just... Uh, no, let's start in verse 13. Besides, to which of the angels has... He ever said, sit at my right hand, associated with me in my royal dignity, till I make your enemies a stool beneath your feet. Did he ever say to an angel, any time, sit at my right hand? No. So the angels, if you read in Revelation, are standing, worshiping. Okay, they're standing, waiting for a command before the throne. And the moment something is said, they go like lightning and they do it. Okay? So... Then he says, verse 14, Are not the angels all ministering spirits or servants sent out in the service of God for the assistance of those who are to inherit salvation? So the son inherits, the servant serves. The servant is a holy angel. Even though he may in manifestation look more holy than the son at that stage, he's still not an heir of salvation. Okay? Because uh, God is, let's, let me just um, jump to Hebrews chapter 2, verse 16. It says, For as we all know, Christ did not take hold of angels, the fallen angels, to give them a helping and delivering hand. So when they fell, there was no salvation to inherit. But he did take hold of the fallen descendants of Abraham to reach out to them a helping and delivering hand. He did reach out to the fallen descendants of Abraham for salvation, to reach out to them a helping and delivering hand. So it is evident that it was essential that he be made like his brethren in every respect in order that he might become a merciful, sympathetic and faithful high priest in the things related to God to make atonement and propitiation for the people's sins. For because he himself in humanity was as suffering, being tempted, tested, and tried, he's able immediately to run to the cry. There's the running. 
assist and relieve those who are being tempted and tested and tried and therefore who are being exposed to suffering. Okay, so back to Hebrews 1 verse 14. Are not the angels all ministering spirits sent out in the service of God for the assistance of those who are to inherit salvation? So when the angels fell, if the servant went to that country and did what he did, he wouldn't have been welcome to come back. But when the son came to himself and came back, the father ran to him to help him. And the servants had to assist the father to restore the son into his position. I hope you see this here. So he says here, uh, since all this is true, 2 verse 1, we ought to pay much closer attention than ever to the truths that we have heard, lest in any way we drift past them and slip away. For if the message given through angels, the law, spoken by them to Moses was authentic and proved sure, and every violation and disobedience received an appropriate and just adequate penalty, how shall we escape appropriate retribution if we neglect and refuse to pay attention to such great salvation? as now is offered to us, letting it drift past us forever. So, so if the son never received the um, olive branch of his father, so to speak, if he never received the grace of his father, it would have drifted past him. Okay? So, for it was declared at first by the Lord himself, and it was confirmed to us and proved to be real and genuine by those who personally heard him speak. Okay, so um, Hebrews chapter 10, Morris is the same thing that, um, uh, you know, if under the law by the witnesses of two or three people would be condemned, if we now trample the blood of Christ and, and regard it as a profane thing and, uh, and reject and count it as something uh, un, uh, unhallowed or, or something common, then um, how much greater says Hebrews chapter 10, will be the punishment. Okay, so, so there's still wrath. And that wrath is expressed when the law was revealed. But now if mercy is revealed, and the mercy is not taken, what else can God give? He can't, he can't give another sacrifice of another son. It's nothing more. So, great. Disobedience under the law, I mean, death was, was, was just as a penalty. But the son was given in exchange. Now, if we were disobedient to the law and now reject the son, then what must God do? What more can he do to save us? You know, so, um, so anyway, let's not, let's not go further into that. So the point is, uh, those who believe, John chapter 3, will never be condemned. John chapter 3, verse 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21. Those who believe not are condemned already. So there is condemnation for those who reject him, but there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Okay, just want to make that clear because of doctrines going around. Okay, all right. So now it says here, besides this evidence, verse 4, it was also established and plainly endorsed by God who showed his approval of it by signs and wonders and various miraculous manifestations of his power by imparting his gifts of the Holy Spirit to the believers according to his own will. So if miracles are shown, you better pay attention because it's God testifying to the, the work that he sundered on the cross. Okay? So if there's signs and wonders and miracles, don't speak against it like the Pharisees did that said it's by the power of Beelzebub. Don't do that. 
But pay attention and, and look at what God is doing. Verse 5. For it was not angels that God subjected the habitable world of the future of which we are speaking. Not to angels. Not to servants. Not to those who serve under the covenant. Uh, it has been solemnly and earnestly said in certain place, What is man, Psalm chapter 8, that you are mindful of him, or the son of man that you graciously and helpfully care for and visit and look after him? For some little time you have ranked him lower than and inferior to angels. So, for some little time, the son, the perfect son of God, he made, he humbled himself to a position lower than angels. So the angels is synonymous with the law because the law was given by angels. You have crowned him with glory and honor and set him over the works of your hands. Now listen, for you have put everything in subjection under his feet. Now in putting everything in subjection to man, he left nothing outside of man's control. But at present, we do not yet see all things subjected to man, but we are able to see Jesus, who was ranked lower than the angels for a little while, crowned with glory and honor because of his having suffered death, in order that by the grace of God to us sinners, he might experience death for every individual person. So because he subjected himself below servants, we don't have to. Because he subjected himself below servants, we are welcome to come back and be reinstated into our position of rest, Hebrews chapter 4. So we come and the Father receives us again. He clothes us with a robe of righteousness and he puts a ring on our fingers and he gives us new shoes for our feet. And he uh, slaughters that wheat fattened calf and, and there's a great celebration, even among the angels, uh, in heaven every time someone receives Christ. Every time someone comes back to the Father because of the blood of the Son. Every time someone comes back and finds the door standing open in heaven, Revelation chapter 5. Uh, every time they turn back to Him and uh, heed the call to be drawn to the Father by the gospel. Uh, there's a celebration, a wheat fattened calf in heaven. <laughs> and everyone is celebrating because the Son that was dead is now alive again. I've been crucified with Christ. <laughs> it's not I that love Christ lives within me. I died with him. So in coming back from that time spent squandering my inheritance in the flesh, in coming back, I'm reinstated as a son. I'm celebrated and I'm placed back in my position. I'm given the signet ring of authority. I'm given my robe of righteousness. I'm given shoes for my feet and there is a great celebration okay so he never said that to a servant so even if you want to approach god as a servant he will ignore you and he will say he will say to you my son so the son the bad son so to speak the one that went away and messed up really bad he came back and he said make me a servant the father ignored him okay and he reinstated him as a son. The good son, or the one that tried to live good, the self-righteous one, he came back to his father, and he was angry with his brother. So he didn't understand that God didn't want sacrifices, but mercy. So he wasn't merciful. But the father didn't throw him away. He pled with him. He said, sure, 
I'm pleading with you. Please come in with us and celebrate your son, oh, your, your brother. Uh, your, your brother was dead and he's alive again. I've received him back well. He played with him to leave his, his uh, servant mentality and step up also and join the celebration and be welcomed as a son in the house. Okay, So that's a big paradigm shift, especially for people who have served faithfully for a very long time but with the mindset of having to be a servant, having to work and by works, sorry, be justified. So, I mean, people literally say, are you saying that everything that I've believed my whole life was wrong? I'm sorry, but yes. The only way that you can enter the rest, that you can enter the dwelling place of the Father through the open door, is by grace. Not by your works. Because the servant only comes in and, and works and goes out. Comes in, goes out. John 8. But the Son abides. So he says, abide. I, in my father's house, there's many dwelling places. I go to prepare a place for you. So I open the door for you, which is my flesh. I go to prepare a place for you. Would you come? Would you come to the father? Would you come to the feast? We have come to angels in festal gathering, Hebrews chapter 12. To the spirits of the saints made perfect. To the church of the firstborn. All right? So there's a great, every time someone comes, to that spiritual mountain, to that dwelling place, to that secret place. Everyone, every time someone returns to the Spirit, there's a great festival in heaven flaring up once again. <laughs> and another calf is put on the spit. <laughs> I'm sorry if you don't eat meat, but I'm just reading the Bible. Okay. <laughs> Bless you if you don't. <laughs> okay. All right, then, you know, just, just smell the aroma of those, you know, what shall we call it, pumpkin cookies or something, or, I don't know, wheat dicks, or I don't know what you like. <laughs> okay, best then, I'm, I'm making jokes, please, please don't crucify me, I love you, okay. But I also love beef, okay. For <laughs> it was an act, <laughs> it was an act worthy of God and fitting to the divine nature, that he for whose sake and by whom all things have their existence um, in bringing many sons into glory should make the pioneer of their salvation perfect through suffering. Okay? So, um, he's, he suffered as the pioneer of our salvation. We are to inherit salvation. The angels are the servants of ministering that salvation to us. Okay? And, uh, and we... Can, uh, can just receive the salvation. Okay? Many sons coming into glory. He uh, was made perfect through suffering. We are made perfect through believing. Jesus was made perfect through suffering. And we are made perfect through believing in Him. Okay? For both He who sanctifies, making men holy, and those who are sanctified, all have one Father. For this reason... He's not ashamed to call them brethren. So God is not ashamed to call you a brother. Jesus is not ashamed to call you a brother. Father sanctifies all. Okay? Both he who sanctifies, making men holy, and those who are sanctified have one Father. Jesus sanctifies you. We are sanctified. We are all born of the same Father. Jesus, even though 
you may have walked a couple of circles in your life. Even though you may have thought you have to be religious in your life and, you know, present it with a condition of self-righteousness. <laughs> Even though you may have looked like either of the sons, Jesus is not ashamed to call you a brother and the Father is not ashamed to call you a son. Okay? For he says, I will declare your name, the Father's name, to my brethren in the midst of the worshiping congregation. So what will it say about you if Jesus comes to declare the Father's name to you in worship, when you worship? He is telling you who you are. Jesus comes to you in worship, in the midst of the worshiping congregation, reveals to you, He is your Father. He declares His name to you, His Father, which means... You are son. So that's an impartation of identity when he reveals that name to you. We have not, in Romans chapter 8, received the spirit of, of slavery uh, that put us once more in bondage. But we have bondage to fear. But we have received the spirit of adoption in the bliss of which we cry. The name that he reveals in the midst of the worshiping congregation. Father, Father. Okay, Abba, Father. Abba means Father. Father, Father. <laughs> okay. For he says, and Abba doesn't mean Daddy. It means true, real Father. You can check it up. It's an Aramaic name. Okay, so it doesn't mean Daddy. So I have no problem with you being really intimate with the Father. That's good. You can call him Dada like you want to. That's great. But Abba doesn't mean that. Okay. For he says, I will declare your Father's name to the brethren in the midst of the worshiping congregation. I will sing hymns of praise to you. And again he says, My trust and assured reliance, confident hope shall be fixed in him. And yet again, I am, uh, here I am, and the children whom God has given me. Now if you read in Isaiah 53, it says, who, He was cut off in his generation, so who will, who will describe his generation? Okay? So Jesus didn't have physical children. There's no generation that came from him phys physically. Okay, He was cut off. And who will declare his generation? This is his generation. Here I am and the children whom you have given him. But his children is also his brothers. Okay, It's those born of the same spirit because of the suffering that he went through on the cross. Okay, Verse 14. Since therefore these his children share in flesh and blood in the physical human uh, in the physical nature of human beings. He himself, in a similar manner, partook of the same nature, that by going through death, he might bring to naught and bring to no effect him who had power over death, that is the devil. So he took on our nature to destroy the devil. That's awesome. And also that he might deliver and completely set free all those who through the haunting fear of death were held in bondage throughout the whole course of their lives. So, because of the fear of death, it doesn't mean that, oh, I'm not afraid of death, I can die now, I'm going to go to heaven. Great, great, if you go to heaven, that's good. But that's not what he's talking to me. He's setting you free from death. Because just the previous verse, he says, share in the flesh and blood and physical nature, he himself in similar manner partook of the same nature that by going through death, he might bring to naught and make of no effect him who had power over death. So, if the devil had power over death and he's made naught, then what does it say of death? If Jesus went through death to destroy it. If he died, for, did Jesus die for you? Then why do you want to die to go to him? You can go to him now. Jesus is the door. Jesus is the way to the Father. Right? Jesus is not the, 
uh, death is not the, the sal- salvation. Death is not the door to heaven. Death is not the way to heaven. Jesus is the way to heaven. Jesus is the door. Jesus is the way to the Father. Okay? And the Father wants to manifest on earth. Okay. And also that he might deliver and completely set free all those who through the haunting fear of death were held in bondage throughout the whole course of their lives. So if the one who had power over death is removed, then the fear of death is also removed. Verse 16. For as we all know, Christ did not take hold of angels that we read, the fallen angels to give them a helping and delivering hand. He did take hold of the fallen descendants of Abraham to reach out to them a helping and delivering hand. So we just say, thank you, Lord, for your salvation. Thank you, Lord, for your mercy. Thank you for your kindness. Thank you, Jesus, that you went through the suffering of the cross so that you could be merciful to us. Okay, so um, we shouldn't look at others and judge them like the older brother. We shouldn't go look to others and judge them and say, uh, yeah, but you know, I've worked so hard, and they haven't, so why should he get to get the fat, wheat fat and calf? You know, remember the parable when Jesus uh, told, you know, there was this guy and he called people to work for him, and he said to some in the morning, okay, will you work for me for so much? Let's make it just practical for 100 rand. Okay, so... Uh, Let's be more generous, okay? Will you work for me for a thousand rand for the day? Okay? And they started this morning, and they started working the whole day, working hard. Middle of the day, said, will you come and work for me? Sure. Will you work for a thousand rand for the rest of the day? They said, sure. And they worked. And five minutes before knockoff time, he said, would you come and work five minutes for me for a thousand rand? (laughs) Sure. <laughs> so they came and they worked. And when it was pay time, you know, like the guys that worked from the beginning said, Hey, why don't we why do we get a thousand? They also get a thousand. He says, What is it to you if I'm generous to them? What if I'm good to them, what's it didn't did you not agree with what we told, talked about? So that's the self righteous thing. We don't we don't deserve anything that comes to us. We don't deserve any of it. So, so just him engaging with us is such mercy, is such grace. Okay, so let's just receive the mercy and, and give our all and, and uh, be that servant son. Okay, so which means we're not servants under the law, servants under angels. But Jesus said, this is the real attributes of a real son. In the kingdom, they were arguing, who will be the greatest in the kingdom? Who is going to be the most important? And Jesus said, you see these children? If you become like these children, you'll be the greatest. You know? And he said, if you be like a servant, the servant under you, the lowliest, the most humble, the servant is going to be counted the greatest in the kingdom of God. Okay. So he's a son. Everything is under his feet. But with the attitude. So Jesus was a servant's son. He washed his disciples' feet. That was unheard of. He washed his disciples' feet, even though he was their master. He served them. So, so the servant's son, you can also say, Revelation 1 and Revelation 5, uh, the royal priesthood. Kingdom of priests. The king and the priest. Priest serves, but the king reigns. The priest serves, but the king reigns. So we serve people with the living bread. We serve people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
And then we reign over situations and circumstances around them. And we reign over everything that, it, that presents itself as darkness in this world. Okay? So everything is under our feet. But to what end? To glorify ourselves? No, to glorify the Father. To glorify Jesus. To serve others. Okay. So we are not servants as in, oh Lord, I'm not worthy to be a son. No. You're a son with the attitude and the heart to serve someone with everything that is in your power as an heir. All right? And what is in, in your power? What is the thing that you, the heir of salvation? What is the salvation? What is this portion that is yours? You know, the inheritance of the saints, you know, that, you know, in Colossians chapter 1, Ephesians chapter 1, the inheritance. Okay? It's the Holy Ghost. It's everything that God is and everything that God has. He has placed on the inside of you. So, is our desire ourselves, is our desire to be the main peanut in the packet, you know, or to like to be, you know, like the big, the big thing, you know, the next big name on the, on, the, on the circuit or, you know, are we there to just be big? Or do we actually want the people to benefit from what Jesus has done for us? Okay, so, so you know, we've got to change this mindset in the church. When the visiting preacher comes, he's, not, he's the biggest servant of everyone. That doesn't take away the honor that we give, but he's the biggest servant. So if he doesn't have a servant mentality, it's like, hmm, <laughs> that's not the best attitude. Okay, so we need to humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God, and in due time he will lift us up. Oh, I hope that makes sense. So uh, we are not servants. We are sons. But if we are sons... And heir. We are heirs according to the promise. Romans chapter 8. But this son has certain character, character and scope of thing of like attributes or characteristics. Like his, this is his personality. He humbles himself as a servant, like Jesus did. And he serves from the position of authority and power. All right. So I hope this makes sense. I hope it has blessed you. So uh, you are sons. You are sons. All, all things are yours. <laughs> Everything that belongs to the Father is yours. And all authority that he has is been given has been given to the Son, who is the head of the body. It's the same, the same structure. It's the same body. So when you speak from that position of sonship, things must obey you. But to what end? We need to serve people with the power of God. We need to serve people in a humble heart with the gospel, with the spirit of God, in meekness, in gentleness. Jesus said, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, learn from me, I am meek and gentle of heart. All right? Not timid. You put the Pharisees in, in their place. He says, I'm meek and gentle. I'm lowly of heart. All right. Hope that uh, blessed you. Okay. Hello, Niku. Bless you. It's good to see you there. And Eric and... There's Janine, and there's Janine. Hello. <laughs> she's, she's like a regular visitor now these days. If you're close, you can come sit also. Okay, so, hello, um, Lena. I greeted you, and Aaron Michaels. Bless you, man. It's good to see you there. So, bless you, everybody. So, uh, tomorrow morning at 9, we're going to have another live meeting. Bless you guys. May the love of God and the, and the, the, the Spirit of God be with you. And Nico is pointing to me that there's an email address on the screen. <laughs> so, um, so 
please send us an email if you have any comments or questions, you know, or just want to tell us where you're watching us from. So, you know, we'd love to hear from you. Okay, so be blessed, everyone. See you tomorrow. Amen.